Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the Bible says this. So now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest is love. I want you to pray with me. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. God, I thank you for this time to be together, and I ask that you'd anoint me to say the things that would honor you. God, I pray you'd teach us what you'd have us to know this morning from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning from a sermon titled, Real Love is Rare. If you just think, I want you to think with me this morning. I'm not going to be real preachy, and I'm not even going to keep you long, but I want you to think. I want you to engage. The Bible says that God will give you ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to you, but you've got to try to dial in. If you've lived more than one day on this planet, you ought to have learned enough to realize that real love is rare. If you ever find somebody that really loves you, you're going to find out how rare that really is. If you ever truly understand the, the height, the depth, the breadth, the width of the love of God, you're going to understand that real love is rare. And I want us to look at what God says love is today. But let me just get the uh, uh, obligatory statements out of the way. Happy Valentine's Day. I hope that you were a good steward of your money and didn't go spend $100 on a dozen roses this week. Amen. Uh, you can find plenty of free flowers at hospitals. Not technically free, but they're just sitting there everywhere. To I'm just kidding. Don't don't do that's a that's a movie trick. That's something to do. Uh, but I I do know people that have done it. Just ooh, here you go. Listen, Happy Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is a scam. Valentine's Day is, 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 is a commercial ploy to get your money. Uh, you can buy chocolate and flowers any time of the year. But as every other holiday is, even though Valentine's Day, I did learn this this week. Uh, how, how many of y'all know which country officially recognizes Valentine's Day as a holiday? Anybody? Guesses? Good guess? Where? Here? France, good guess. Yeah, good guess. Here's the, here's the answer. So everybody learned something today. Nobody. Nobody. No country recognizes Valentine's Day. Look it up. That's factual and actual. But, you know, it's, it's part of the fabric, not just of America, but around the world. Uh, we, we talk about Valentine's Day on this day. We talk about love and all this other stuff and romanticized this St. Valentine who wrote a mythical letter to his jailer's daughter that said, sign your Valentine. Here's, here's the reality. All factual resources say that never happened. That was a myth of a Catholic priest 
who did some good things for people, and they just decided to put a, a more a twist on it. So anyway, there's, there's your history lesson this morning. Let's, let's, let's get back into the Word. We talk a lot at Abundant Life about love and the great commandment. Now, when Jesus was asked by one of the religious leaders of his day, what is the first and greatest commandment, Jesus said that the first and the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said, and the second is likened to the first, which is cool, because the guy didn't ask for a second. He asked for a first, but if, if you get to know God good enough, you know he'll give you more than you asked for. And Jesus said, the second is like unto it that you love your neighbor as yourself. So we talk a lot about this great commandment, which is simply boiled down in the phrase, love God and love people. I hope you can agree that it is important if you claim Christianity that you love God and love people. If I asked you, do you believe God wants you to love him, the right answer would be yes. Do your head like this. It would be a yes. Uh, if I asked you, do you think God wants you to love people, the right answer will be yes. Now, I've been alive for a long time, and I've been uh, following God and serving God for a long time, and I can tell you this for sure. It's a whole lot easier to love God than it is to love people. Five people said amen. Keep living. Keep living. You're going to figure it out. See, God never messes up. God never fails us. God never says one thing and does the other. Uh, God is always faithful. God is different. But God has commanded us to love him and to love people. And if we're really going to do these things, if we're really going to love God and love people, then we need to know what God says love is. Because here's something that we need to understand. If you don't get anything else out of today's message, get this. It is more important on every subject you mention, it's more important what God says about it than what you feel about it. Oh, yeah, man, I'm teaching better than y'all are staring at me. That is mind-blowing revelation right there. That is life-changing information right there. And I need you to understand, it is more important on every issue in the world, on every concept in the world, it's more important what God says about it than it is how you feel about it. It's more important. See, we live in a world dominated by feeling. We live in a world dominated by, well, I feel, I think, I want versus a world that says this is how it really is. And that's why I just like to stand up every week and tell you how it IS is. Because feelings will do one thing, but facts are a whole different level. And we need to know not just the facts, because you can get facts from somebody. If one person says it's a fact, I mean, Donald Trump said this was a fact. Joe Biden said that was a fact. And there's a lot of difference in between. So you, you can get your facts messed up, and that's why I love this book. This book is solid. This book is faithful. The Bible says every word is established in heaven forever. And we need to get inside this book, and we need to find out what love is, because if we don't, what God says love is, because if we don't know what God says love is, we can't Love the way he's telling us to. If I tell you to raise your right hand, you can do that because you know what I mean when I say raise your right hand. If I tell you to shake your shalabo, you don't know what to do because you don't know what your shalabo is. If I say just stand up and shake your shalabo really hard, then you cannot 
Be sure you are doing that properly because you don't know what I mean when I say shalabo. And if you don't know what God means when he says to love, then you can't love the way God wants you to. Are you following me? See, most of us think we understand love. Well, Pastor Scott, love is a basic concept. We've all been loved from day one, and we've understood love. Listen, most of us have not been loved right since day one. Most of us have been unloved or loved improperly. And I want you to know there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. Can you say amen? So we're going to look at this passage this morning. going to be teachy this morning, not preachy. We're going to look at this passage verse by verse, and allow God to teach us about love. And let me jump to the punchline real quick. It's not what you think it is. It's not what you think it is. It's not what you've been told it is. It's not the concept that 99.99% of the people have in their mind when they talk about, oh, I'm in love. See, because we think of love as something that, are you ready, makes us feel good. (laughs) That's a modern concept, y'all. That's not a modern concept at all. I had to ask Seth on the ride into work, and I couldn't give away my message to him because every time I've ever told somebody what I'm going to preach, God changes it at the last minute. So I asked him a question. I said, I hope God will let me preach this message today, even though I just talked to you about Little House on the Prairie. Um, (laughs) because I I just wanted to know, and I I was pretty sure I knew the answer. I said, son, do you even know what Little House on the Prairie is? He said, no. He says, like a TV show, right, Dad, or a movie? Isn't that what you said? He he knew it had something to do, um, but he don't know, you you know, that it was, uh, what what, what, what was it, Cartwright Boy's name? Little Joe. He don't know it's Little Joe pretending to be a farmer. Uh, What what was what, what, what was that boy's name in real life? My, oh, all the women. You said that with conviction. Oh, you're a Michael Landon fan? Oh, I don't know if he reminded you of your husband. but um, Little Joe, Mr. Douglas. Uh, but if you think about a time like this, see, because not in the not-too-distant past, Love did not have any of the connotations that it has in today's world. Whatever that dude's name was, I don't even know what his name was on the show because I didn't watch it. Um, but Little Joe, was his name His name wasn't Little Joe on Little House on the Prairie. But whatever his name was, that family, that, that you know, quintessential American pioneer family living on a farm somewhere with no electricity, no running water, they had a different idea and a different understanding of what love was. He, listen, dude was not bringing home $100 roses to his wife on Valentine's Day. And when he didn't, she wasn't saying, my husband doesn't love me as much as Sally's husband. Sally's husband bought her a new car. My husband never bought me a new car. He must not love me. My husband didn't, listen, I'm not even going to get into all the things that you, you whine about, but I want you to understand that the love that we think about in America in 2021 is about what makes us feel good, what caters to us, what we think it should be. And I want you to know, if you ever have a difference of opinion on any topic with God, God's right and you're wrong. God's right and I'm wrong. God's right and everybody else is wrong. The Bible says, let God be true and everyone else a liar. If you differ from what God says, then God is right and everyone else 
is wrong. So let's see what God says about love, and let's see how far off we are and how to get to right. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1, the Apostle Paul is teaching the Christians at Corinth from God's Word as God reveals the Word to him, and we have it written down for our reading today. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1, the Apostle Paul says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Now, when he says, if I could, what is he inferring? That he can't. He can't, but if he could. He can't, but he knows that other people want to. He can't, and no one else can either, but he knows that people aspire to certain things. And here's the deal. If you aspire to something and it's not God's will for your life, you're going to be a frustrated person. Because you're not going to get it easy, and even when you do get it, it's not going to satisfy you. So the apostle says, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and angels. See, this in that day and time really meant something. In America, we don't have to speak any other language. We really don't. Um, we, we, we get by with English just fine. You can go to a store on 103rd Street and speak English. You can go to a store on Normandy Boulevard and speak English. You can go to a store on Southside and speak English. You can go to a store in Palatka and speak a version of English. <laughs> y'all need to lighten up. Now, around the world, and some of y'all, y'all know uh, Pastor Bill Schwartz. We have his newsletters in the back. We got Pastor Bill Schwartz on the far right-hand corner. Uh, all those banners are friends, pastors, churches that we partner with around the world and send money to every month. Pastor Bill Schwartz was our first monthly support person that we started sending money to when we started this church and been sending money every month to help the ministry that he's doing, doing great things in Europe. And he loves to tell this joke because even though he's country as a chicken foot and was raised in Lake City, uh, now he's all European. Because, you know, he's, he's been living over there for a long time. But he says, you know, in Europe, they call someone who can speak three languages reasonably smart. They call someone who can speak five languages very smart. They call someone who can speak nine or more languages super smart. You know what they call someone who can speak one language? An American. And he just thinks that's hilarious and super funny. Um, and, you know, we only need one language. Because whether you're in West Virginia or California, they'll figure it out. Um, but in this culture, because all these different countries and villages then are still very similar now. Within two miles of Bill's house, there are different villages that speak completely different languages. Uh, across the street from each other, one section speaks Dutch, the other section speaks Flemish. And some speak German, and it's just all a, a deal. And it was that way back then in, in this European part of the world that Paul was talking about. He said, if I could speak all the languages of the earth. The reason he says that, and this is what, what I'm trying to get you to understand, is because that's what something people wanted to be able to do. This is something that they valued, say value. This is something that they thought would make them somebody. Oh, I want to be able to speak all, I want to be able to speak all these different languages. He said, if I can speak all the languages of the earth and even of the angels, but I didn't love others, 
I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Here's what I want you to understand from God's Word this morning. He is exposing something that people want as worthless. And I need you to understand this morning that we are stuck in a mind loop of wanting things many times that God deems as worthless. We want stuff that because we get distracted and we get our eyes off the prize and we focus on the wrong thing. And so he's, he's pointing at something that they really like, something that they think would make them somebody because America and the rest of the world have been trapped from the beginning trying to believe what Jesse taught us, and uh, which was, was great for that time, uh, but taken in context. Anybody remember what the Rainbow Push Coalition said? I am somebody. Do you realize, of course, you're somebody, and you need to love yourself, because the Bible says you ought to love others as you love yourself, but the whole concept behind I am somebody is self-exaltation. I am awesome. See, this is what the modern church is pushing on people. You can click on any TV dial, any radio dial, go to any big church in America you want to, and you're going to hear a message of, you're awesome, you're powerful, Christian economic empowerment, Christian exaltation, you can speak to your situation, you can, you have destiny, you're anointed, and it's all about building you up, and church was never designed to do that for our image of ourselves. Church is to exalt God, not people. And so he's letting them know these things that you want, they make you feel good and look good, but it's not always what God wants. He said, if I could do that, y'all would say I'm cool, and it would make me look good. But if I don't love other people, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. That's what he means is I, I just, it, that sound wouldn't be any better coming out of my mouth than a trash can lid falling off the back of a truck. It's just noise. Verse 2, he said, if I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. So he starts with, if I had this, and he ends with, I would be nothing. And he's doing the same thing in verse 2 that he did in verse 1. He's exposing something that the people really think, ooh, this is what I, oh, I'd love that. Oh, if I could just have that. Oh, if, I, if people just viewed me as this, that's what I really need. And he says, yeah, that'll make you nothing. What's he saying? If I had the gift of prophecy. Ooh, you really, you, you want to draw a crowd? You want to make some money? You're tired of your job? Do, do like uh, Robert Duvall did in that movie, The Apostle. Go down to a body of water, dunk yourself in, say, I baptized myself an apostle. Become a fake apostle. Go ahead and throw a crusade. But don't preach on Jesus to cross the resurrection. Don't preach on personal holiness. Don't preach on prayer, Bible study, loving God or loving others. You want to rake in the money? You got to preach on, guess what? Prophecy. Oh, people love, ooh, Pastor Scott. Uh, we won't be in church this week because we're going to a prophetic conference. Oh, it's incredible. This prophet is just calling people out from just reading people's mail. Just amazing giftedness. The, it's, I, I, I just flow. In, I've had so many people tell me, Pastor Scott, my name is Apostle Jojo, and I flow in the prophetic. 
You flow in the prophetic. Where did you read that in the Bible? Who taught you that you flow in the prophetic? Did you, did you get that from Scripture or did you get that from man? Mm, y'all mad at me now because you, you, you like Prophet Jojo and she does flow. She does flow. She flows in the prophetic. Well, okay. This is what people, they, they, you know why people love to go to the prophetic. You know why people want to say, oh, I just flow in the prophetic. Because it makes them feel important. Makes them feel important. I'm going to remind you what George Foreman said to his doctor. Uh, George showed up for uh, work uh, training one day at his gym wearing a tuxedo. Trainer said, George, Big George, why are you in a tuxedo? He said, well, I just came from my doctor yesterday, and he told me I was impotent, and if I'm going to be impotent, I need to look impotent. Y'all just don't want to lighten up today. I only do this when y'all are stiff. Unstiff yourself, and we'll get through it. People want to feel important. Do you realize if you ever fall in love with Jesus, you're not going to be concerned with how important you are? Let me give it to you in a way you can understand. Men, if you ever fall in love with your wives and your kids more than you love yourself, you're not going to care about how you look and your status and how awesome everybody thinks you are. You're going to be so busy loving your wife and your family that you're not going to have time to be trying to prop yourself up all day long. Women, I have equal opportunity. I'll tell you the same thing. If you ever really fall in love with God, with your, with your family, your husband, the, the people that care about you, you will stop being so vain and worrying about, does everybody recognize how super special you are? Oh, see, this is why we got empty seats in abundant life. The, the truth, if you can't say amen, just say ouch. He said, if I had the gift of prophecy, because he knew people thought, well, those are the cool people. Let's don't listen to the Apostle Paul, because he's always talking about examine yourself. He's always talking about personal holiness. He's always, all he ever talks about is Jesus and the cross. All he, all he, want, he, he just wants to see people saved. He doesn't want to see us flow in the prophetic. Okay, so... And, and, hey, listen, I'm not saying there's not prophetic. Uh, I, I believe in the prophetic. But I also understand people have overvalued it beyond salvation, and that's foolishness. So he points it out. If I, if I had the gift of prophecy, which he did, he was just taking shots at them. He was just stabbing holes on everything they thought made them awesome because he understood that what we think makes us awesome is often not what makes us Awesome. He said, and if I understood all of God's secret plans. Oh, see, that's what we need, Pastor. We need divine insight. We, we need a peek behind the curtain. We just need God to sit down on us and manifest himself and, and show us more. I'm going to tell you, if God hadn't showed you enough at the cross of Calvary, if you didn't find enough in simple salvation, if it ain't enough for you to know that God loved you and sent his son to die for you and be raised from the dead so you could be raised from the dead too, you've missed the whole part of Christianity. Christianity is not about secret plans. But, oh, my goodness, if we wanted to pack the house and draw an offering, we'd have to flow in the prophetic and we'd have to expose secret plans. Because this is what people think is cool. <laughs> 2,000 years ago and still today. He said, and 
What's and mean, y'all? means there's more. He said, and if I possessed all knowledge. Ooh, now see, that's what we need. Oh, we want that. This is what the church crowd says, and this is what they were saying then, and what they're saying now. Oh, we, we, oh, if, if I've had so many people say this about me, and I'm just a country boy from Jacksonville. Oh, Pastor Scott, I just wish I knew the Bible the way you knew the Bible. Now, let, me, let me tell you what I told them. If you read the Bible every day for 39 years, you'll know the Bible just like I know the Bible. Uh, if you spend hours a day reading the Bible every day for decades and you're going, but listen, people want knowledge. People want, the, people want, ooh, ooh, magical powers. Pe- people want insight. Yeah, there's a voodoo doctor. I, I talked about him this past week on Wednesday night. There's a voodoo doctor at a Baton Rouge who is prophet's son, lived deep in a swamp. And he comes on AM radio early in the morning, and Prophet Son gets paid to sell people to third eye. That's right, children. What you need to do right now, you need to call Prophet Son. Because you said right now you send $25 to Prophet Son, Prophet Son gonna send you to third eye. You, you going, I'm gonna give you the third eye, $25 right now. I'm gonna send Prophet Son gonna send you the third eye, and with the third eye, you're gonna be able to see what can't be seen. Now, do y'all think people are sending Prophet Son $25? Oh, they sure are because Prophet Son is telling them, and if you be one of the first 20 people to send Prophet Son $25, I'm going to send you the lock. I'm going to send you the third eye and the lock. And with the third eye, you're going to be able to see everything. That can't be seen. Your enemy ain't going to be able to sneak up on you no more. And I'm going to be one of the first 25 callers right now. Send me my money, and I'm going to send you the lock. And you're going to be able to lock trouble out your life, and ain't nothing going to be able to come nigh to you. Prophet son's making money. Why? Because people get excited about, oh, I can see into the future. Oh, I, I know the hidden things. I've had so many people come to me out out of church, out of God, don't read their Bible, don't pray, don't serve God, don't serve people, and tell me, you know, Pastor Scott, the modern church has missed the entire uh, religion, as you will, the religious connotation of God's original design and God has shown me the real revelation that the church has yet to find. And I'm thinking in my mind the whole time, don't talk to this person. Obey Scripture. God said if anyone will be ignorant, let them be ignorant. Do not engage this moron who thinks that they figured something out about God that the apostles and the prophets didn't know and Jesus didn't teach. If you want to be a Christian, the Bible says our faith is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. You've got to believe what the apostles and the prophets taught. And the Bible says with Jesus be, that, that, that's the foundation of Jesus is the chief cornerstone. But the, the people think they got this special connection. Special People don't go to church, don't serve God, don't read their Bible, don't pray, don't pay tithes and offerings. But they really believe, well, God and I have got an understanding. Yeah, God has an understanding. The wages of sin is death. Hell's hot and forever. And the only way to get saved is by putting true life-changing faith in Jesus Christ and being born again. A situation that causes something to happen on the inside that manifests in a change on the outside. But it has nothing to do with magic, secret plans. I just want to know everything. 
Do you know how depressed you'd be if you knew everything? It, it will weigh you down. It said, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains. Ooh, see, that's what we need, Pastor. We need a miracle worker conference. We, we need a miracle worker conference. If, if I had a guy call me. I told you all about him. This dude wanted to come preach. I'm like, well, you know, what you want to preach about? And I just assumed he'd say Jesus. And he went into his, he flows in the prophetic, and he's going to tell everybody what's really going on in their life. And God uses him as a miracle worker. And when he preaches that his teeth glow gold and gold dust falls from the ceiling, and sometimes he levitates on the stage. It's a real conversation I had with a human being. And they're out there. He said something that I heard Jesse Duplantis claim. And I'm thinking, now you just bucking Jesse? Or y'all both got this same power that when you preach, people have seen fire flames shoot out of the roof of the building. Now why would people make such... Did, did anywhere Jesus ever preached, fire flames shoot out of the top of a building? No, pe people fell in love with him and his father, and God changed their life. And they changed their eternal destiny from hell to heaven. That's Christianity. All the rest of this stuff is voodoo. And he says... If I had such faith, oh, see, that's what I want. I want miracle working faith. I want mountain moving faith. I want to be able to speak to my mountain and cast it in to the sea. Of course you do, because you want life to be easy peasy. You don't ever want to have to go through anything. You haven't understood that, that there is suffering. The Bible says all those that, that live godly, shall move mountains, speak to their enemies and be delivered and never face. No, it says all that live godly shall suffer persecution. This is the history of the Christian church, uh, but it is not what's being taught today. And it wasn't being taught right then because God had to inspire him to tell, say all these different things. All these things. Boy, if you had the gift of prophecy, you know you'd feel extra. Oh, if you knew all God's secret plans, you'd just be like, me and God are on special. If, if, if you had all knowledge and if you had faith, that if you could just, if, oh, if I could levitate, if I could just let, if I could make that podium just rise up right now, y'all got to come to abundant life. Holy Ghost power. No, you need to run out the exits because that's voodoo and it's happening. I've seen people. I've had people in my family. I still don't know how they did it. I'd blame it on the devil. Hold a spoon up in the air and stare at it and make that spoon bend. You can Google it. You can see it. There, 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 there's these people with power all over the place. These are things people was, would make them feel like they were something. Paul said, if, if I could do all that, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. Now, here's the reality. Without the setup that we've already been given, without the teaching that we've already been given, if you would have been asked today, what would you rather be able to do? What if, uh, if on this side, you can know all of God's secret plans, have all knowledge, have faith to move mountains, you, 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 you can just speak in every language in the world, even in the angelic language. If, if you could do all this miracle working power over here and over here, all you could do was just love people and work hard to make life better for someone else. Which side of the room do you think most people would line up on? Mm. Y'all don't want to admit the truth. Let's look at verse 3. 
He said if, so he's still going on this, this premise of I, I, I'm stabbing holes in everything y'all think makes you great. He said if I gave everything I have to the poor, and even if I sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Now, I love these two things he puts in this verse. One is to give everything to the poor. That's probably not going to happen um, for, for, you know, everybody. And the second one, he says, if I sacrifice my body. Now, in the King James Version and in many other translations, it says, if I gave my body to be burned in the fire. And I always laugh when I read that because I'm thinking, oh, snap. The only thing somebody is, is, is less likely to want to do than give away all their money is to be burned to death in a fire. That, that, that's, that's when you've reached the end of a person. The, the, and, and some people probably have to think that through. Hmm, maybe I'll survive that fire, but I can't give away all my money. The, 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 pe- people are so little, little light, less likely to give away. The only thing that, that they'd, they'd, they'd rather cause them to give away money is by being burnt to death in fire. But here's the thing. This is another thing that people use to make themselves feel good. Well, actually, my family's name is in the hallway of the new heart hospital at Baptist Medical Center because we gave $300 million dollars to a staff, no, you didn't give three hundred. You gave three hundred million dollars to get your name on a building. Makes you feel special. You you might have wanted to help people too. But these are all things that are designed to. If I gave everything I have to the poor, oh, wouldn't you be extra? And even if I sacrifice, if I just became a martyr, I could boast about it. All these things are things that make people think that they're extra special. And then he returns to the same concept. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Now, I need you to let faith kick in where logic jumps out. Because I've said it many times that if you have to figure everything out in Christianity to accept it, you're going to be a miserable person attempting to understand Christianity. Some things don't make sense in Christ. Uh, If somebody hits you in the face, turn the other cheek, let me just go ahead and say loudly, That doesn't make sense. I don't recommend it. What y'all think? What what y'all think? Uh, Joy's going to hit you back. Some things, the Bible says in many ways, God's ways are beyond our ways. Some things don't make sense. And that's why I tell you all the time, if you can't figure it out, you got to what? Faith it out. Some things have to be accepted by faith. Because if you were given the opportunity to have all the things on this list or to love people, you know which one you'd pick. You know which one the majority of people would pick. People want to feel special. People want to feel extra. But God is saying here through the Apostle Paul, all that would make you Nothing. We want to brag about what we have, what we can do. Modern church caters to this. It's all about the empowerment of the believer. And in this generation, more than any other time in the world, I believe, biblical love is rare. Why? Because we want love on our own terms. We want love to cater to us. If you hear someone say, oh, my gosh, I'm so in love. 
do, do you think that they really mean I'm prepared to lay down my life and die for this other person? Or do you think Billy makes me feel special? They just feel so special. And Billy's so cute. Stop putting multiple syllables in words with, 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 with four letters, okay? The concept we have of love in America is perverted, has been perverted in pulpits, in books, TV, and in written form. And it's caused us not to understand that real love is about commitment and loyalty, not just about how someone makes you feel. If, if you're here, let's, let, let, let's just pick on the West. Sit up front, you get this. If Nixa only loved Henry when he was making her feel wonderful and gooey and awesome and extra special, if she only loved Deacon West when he, he was doing everything he was supposed to do, do you think that there would be uh, uh, love in the house all the time? He's probably been at the gym when he should have been home. He's probably, he's probably been at work when, when you're wondering where he's, what, when's, this, when's this man going to come? We need to understand love is not just about how it makes you feel. What, what if she only loves him back when he's doing everything to cater to her? That, that's one side of the coin. Well, what about the other side? What if she loves him in spite of him? What if she loves him so much because she made a decision to love him, to be faithful to him, to be loyal to him, no matter how whack and crazy he is? Mm, see, we don't want that kind. No, I want to feel special. Okay. Let's see what, what the Bible says, and keep this in mind. I heard someone say, no, actually, I read this in a book. Um, every true love story is a tragedy. That involves hardship, struggle, pain, and death. Ouch. We don't like them kind of love stories, do we? That's no good. My life. My, my, the love story of my life. Your life, Jared. Uh, the, the, the greatest love story of our, of our life in, involves hardship, struggle, pain, suffering, and death. People are like, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's what real love is. Have, have you read Romeo and Juliet? They, they, they call that a great love story. Let's just push past that since we're Christians and we're in church. Have you read the Bible? The story of Jesus is the greatest love story ever told. D did it involve hardship, struggle, pain, and, and death? So we got to understand, love is not a feeling. This is where we've missed it. We want to feel like we're in love. And if you talk to sociologists, they'll tell you. And, and every woman in the room is going to disagree with this, and you can hate if you want to. This is what the experts say. Men love to be loved, and women love love. You missed it. Men love to be loved. That's why they go out and search for love, because men want somebody to love them, because it makes them feel good. Women love being in love, that's why they go out and search for love, because I dreamt about this wedding day every day of my life since I was six years old. I remember the tea party when I first envisioned my entire wedding. I wrote it all down. I still got it in my journal, my diary. Yes or no? I always envisioned the way my life would be when I met my special man, and we would have the most incredible wedding day, and there would be doves and pigeons and every other thing that poops from the sky. 
We've let Hollywood tell us what love looks like when we need to let God tell us what love really is. In verse 4, the Bible says, Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast, and it is not arrogant. Let's, let's, let's get into these one by one. Love is patient. If I had my patience-o-meter and I started with Rick and I hung it around his neck, patient, not patient. He said not. So let's just all examine the facts. If God says love is patient, and Rick says he is not patient. Is Rick loving? They don't want to tell you, bruh. <laughs> well, Pastor Scott, we just don't want to be offensive. Telling someone the truth is not offensive. If the building is on fire and you're comfortable where you're sitting because you kicked your shoes off and got your leg under your behind just how you want to sit on it, and, and, but the building's on fire, and, and I, I tell, hey, son, we need to get out of here because this building's on fire. Now, I don't want to disturb the rest of the people in here, but me, you, and Nixon, we got to go because this thing's going to burn like a tinderbox. Now, don't tell anybody else because that might offend them. That might, you know, they might be upset. You might rub. Listen, if the building is on fire, it's not offensive to scream it's on fire. If you're loving wrong and God says it's one way and you're doing it another way, it's not offensive to say you're doing it wrong. Well, who are you to tell me what's right and what's wrong? Hey, I'm just the one reading the mail. The, Bible, the truth's the truth anyhow. And the Bible says that love is patient. And that, that Greek word patient means to not just be patient, but hear, hear this. And you can look this up in a Greek dictionary to blow your mind. To be patient while bearing the offenses and injuries of others. Woo! Man, it's, it's easy to be patient if, if you're next in line to, 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 to be seated at the restaurant. Um, if, if you get to the restaurant and, and they say, it's only going to be about three minutes. Oh, awesome. I thought it would be a long wait. I'm going to just stay in here and be patient because in three minutes I'm going to sit down and have a great meal. That's easy because I'm about to be rewarded for my patience, and I'm going to get what I want. But this word patient comes from a Greek word that means to be patient while bearing the offenses and injuries of others. It's the same Greek word that's been translated in other parts of our Bible as slow to anger. So if I had that patience-o-meter, now I understand what it means. Not just patient like, oh, I'm willing to wait. Lines don't really bother me. I can sit in traffic. I'm, I'm, I'm not like Elder Jimmy. I don't want to run everybody off the road. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm patient. Uh, no, not, not that kind of patience. A patience where you're okay when somebody else jams you up, when somebody else does you wrong, when somebody else uh, injures you verbally, physically, emotionally. Are you slow to anger? Verse 4 also says, not only is love patient, but it's kind. Say kind. It's this, this word kind in the Greek means something pretty, pretty close to what we would say in today's world. It's about being considerate, helpful, and gentle. Are you kind? Oh, if I had my kind-o-meter, we'd leave Rick alone because we don't want him to be over 16. Um, 
<laughs> we just, just told y'all how many we're going through. Y'all like, oh, Lord, we'll be here forever. If I had my kindness-o-meter and I just hung it on Charity's neck, the kindness-o-meter, kind, no, not kind, don't answer out loud, and, and I got around to you, where are you going? You might think that you're kind, but are you helpful? See, because if your kindness doesn't cause you to be helpful, then you're not kind according to the Bible. If you just hermit yourself and you never get involved with, with a community of people, with a group of people inside of God. I, I'm so tired of candy stripers and volunteers at mental health clinics and soup kitchens. All those things are good things to do. But if someone does those while not using their gifts and talent inside the local church where God has commanded them to use their do, gifts and talent, they are doing it as a distraction and not because they're honoring God. With it. You can do all those things, but you better make sure that you're doing what God called you to do inside the local body. The next thing it says, not only is love patient and kind, love is not envious. That, 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 that word uh, here means a feeling of discontent or covetousness with regard to another's advantages, success, or possessions. Now, some people, when, when, they, when they hear that somebody's got a paid-for house, that they just got a full offer on uh, on day one of listing it or like praise the lord ain't god good that is man hallelujah i love it when good things happen you're like the guy on the a-team y'all remember the original a-team the the, the the boss would, would say i love it when a plan comes together well some people love it when good things happen to good people and other people are like mm, there you go sound like bragging to me anybody ask you if your house was paid for Oh, so now you got money. No, I had money before. <laughs> y'all stiff as y'all can be. Are you okay when someone else has an advantage over you? Here's the crazy thing. I've never been the way most sports fans are. Most sports fans believe, all right, let's just see. Try to pick one. Favorite basketball player all time. Michael Jordan, is he the best? Yeah, he's the best. Widely known as the best. That's how most people pick their favorite. Most people, you ask who's your favorite basketball player, it's, it's, it's Michael Jordan, it's Kobe, uh, it's LeBron. Why? Because they're widely known as the best, and so they can get into an argument with their friends and say, he ain't no Michael Jordan. That's, that's mine, Michael Jordan. Six rings, where you at? And they, they can, you know, feel good about their pick. Me? Anybody know who my favorite basketball player of all time is? Paul Pierce. Paul, undoubtedly, Paul Pierce. My, I've been a lifelong Boston Celtics fan. I've been watching the Boston Celtics since the early days of my life. My, my first two favorite Celtics, I was watching it before, but when I really got into uh, wanting to be like Pete, was JoJo White and John Havlicek. Um, and I've been a Boston Celtic fan my whole life. Paul Pierce is not the best Boston Celtic to ever live. He's not, he hadn't won the most rings. He didn't win the most MVPs. He didn't win the most uh, anything. But he's my favorite player, and that makes me different. My 
my favorite doesn't have to be the best. That's, I love his work ethic. I love the way he grinds. I love the way he carried bad teams for years without quitting complaining and going somewhere else. I love the fact that he's the only offensive threat that guarded the best player on the other team every uh, night of the season. But I, I'm not envious of, oh, I should have picked Michael Jordan. Deacon West is right. Michael Jordan one more time. No, I'm okay. Your guy's better than mine. Your guy's better. I got a friend always, always pumping up Kobe. I love Kobe. But uh, Kobe's a better player than Paul Pierce. That don't mean he's my favorite. Are you okay when somebody else has something better than you? Why can't you just love what you love and not worry about if, if what you have is the best? Because if you have to have the best, then, then you're missing out on biblical love because you are dealing with envy. It goes on to say that it's not boastful. It, 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 it doesn't find value in itself based on what it has. I got, a, I got somebody in my family, and I tell you what, and, and I, was, I was thinking about them when I talked to you the other night, uh, because they just have a one-up you story on everything. You could say, God is so good, I just got a full list offer on my house first day, put it up for sale, and they'd say, oh, really, that's nothing. I, well, last time I sold my house, before I even put it up for sale, I had 15 people knocking on the door offering me, you know, above full. It just if, if you caught a 12-pound bass, oh, man, you should have seen the 22-pound bass I caught. You didn't catch a 22-pound bass. We'd heard about you in a book. Always one-upping. Don't, if, if you're that person, then, then your love is broken. It goes on to say it's not arrogant. This, this is this, an overbearing sense of self-importance. And I want to tell you something. Surgeons, all doctors in general, and pastors tend to fall into this category. They just really think they're extra special just because of the job that they do. And that's why I've worked so hard from day one to tell everybody in this room, don't put me on a pedestal. I'm a broken human being. Don't put me on a pedestal. I've got issues. Don't put me on a pedestal. We're only here to exalt God, not a human being, because I've seen so many pastors just walk around like they're everything. And only Jesus is everything, and real love can't be arrogant. Verse 5 says that it's not rude. Oh, man, if I had my rudeness o meter on here here's the greek definition for this word discourteous impolite without culture learning or refinement rough in manners or behavior and i love this last word uncouth you just uncouth i'm supposed to say things like that to people you're not supposed to just just walk walk up and and and, and just say oh wow are you gaining weight looking a little fat today are, are you are you tired? Did, did someone else do your makeup today? You're looking kind of funky all up and through here. It's just, it's just un- that wouldn't go good, would it, Rick? That, that is rude. Real love's not rude. It's not self-centered. It's not concerned only with its own interests. The Bible tells us to be concerned with others and not just yourself. It's not irritable. And I'm thinking, man, God, why you always got to beat me up? I have learned over the last decade, having broke my back twice and my neck once, that I am 
way more irritated when my back or my neck is hurting. Anybody ever dealt with chronic pain? You know that? Does it make you all warm, smiling, fuzzy, and want to just talk to everybody, Charity? Does it make you a little extra irritable? Chronic pain, uh, but here's the thing. It's not an excuse. It doesn't justify. You can't say, well, I don't have to be that way because uh, I, I, I can be irritable because I'm in pain. No, God doesn't want us to be irritable. The Bible says it's not resentful. That's the someone who's filled with anger, bitterness. Here's a Greek definition for that word. Easily offended. Are you easily offended? Are you, do, 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 can, can you just really, because here's the thing. People love to say, oh, Pastor Scott made me mad today. I'm never going to go back. Okay. When the reality is I didn't make you mad. I said something that revealed something about you that you don't like about yourself. And that's why I say if you can't say amen, say ouch. Because sometimes the truth hurts, and some people are more easily offended. There are some people, I, I can say stuff, I can say something to Rick because he knows me. Um, and, and you can offend people even that know you, but I can say something to Rick. Rick or Let's just flip it around, even different, because some, some of y'all are protective over what you, what you view as your pastor. Uh, Rick could say something to me that I'd laugh off, and if you heard him, you'd be like, can you believe the way he speaks to Pastor Scott? I, I never, I would never. And people, some people, you can say something to a crowd. Some people laugh it off. Other people will be offended by it. Why? Because if you throw a rock in a pack of dogs, the one that hollers is the one you hit. If you're easily offended, it's not going to roll off you like water off a duck's back. I can't believe. Who is? Uh, are you easily offended? That, that's the Greek word for resentful. Verse 6 says it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. So let's look at these and get out of here. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Hear this. Wrong is what God calls wrong. Man, I can't wait till Saturday. We're going to get crunk. We're going to have a party. We got our people coming over. We're going to have a crab bowl. We, listen, party with people coming over in a crab bowl, that's all good. You getting drunk and doing stuff that God said not to do, that's wrong. And you need to check yourself and find out, do you rejoice in wrongdoing? Listen. Driving 85 and a 55 is wrong. <laughs> I just have a, I just have a <laughs> heavy foot. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I just <laughs> I'm just trying to get to where I'm <laughs> going. Oh, so you're rejoicing in doing wrong. Hmm. See, we love, Christians love to beat up on people who still smoke, who still drink, who, who fornicate. Love to beat up on people who aren't completely uh, delivered when no one is completely delivered but Jesus. But they sure do find excuses for why they can break the law every time they get behind the wheel. When God says if you're broken one law, you're guilty of breaking all of them. Quit judging other people for what they do wrong until you get perfect. Let me explain what I just told you. I shorten that sentence up because you ain't never going to get perfect. So quit ju judging people. Let God work on you. 
Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. You need to learn that wrong is wrong and wrong is not your friend. There's consequences for wrong. Explaining love still. What's, what's the next characteristic of love? Love rejoices with the truth. It rejoices with the truth. Truth is what God calls truth. Well, I don't like that whole tithing thing. I don't even believe churches ought to take an offering. Uh, let the rich people pay for everything. Well, you know, you, you, you could stand on that premise if you want to, but not in, light, not, in, not in Christianity. Because God said on the first day of the week, you ought to bring one-tenth of everything that you've been increased by that week and give it to the house of the Lord. Well, that's not my truth. I already told you how I feel about people with my truth. Stop saying, well, my truth. I need my voice to be heard, and I need to be able to express my truth. You are not the purveyor of truth. You're not the owner of truth. You're not the founder of truth. We do not get to decide randomly from day to day what our truth is. Truth is what God says it is. And we've got to rejoice with the truth. Now, let me tell you, if you want to do something and God says not to do it, that's going to be hard to rejoice in that until you realize, I thank God that he gave me the strength to stop doing that because now I don't have to deal with the consequences of it. But you got to get your mind right about what God is saying. Verse 7 says, and, 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 and this, 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 is, this is where it all comes to a culmination, love bears all things. The Greek phrase for that means to remain firm under a load. When life gets heavy, love will keep you going on. When, 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 the, when, the, when the pain is bad, love will keep you going on. The verse says it believes all things. Greek, Greek de dictionary I read says it, it doesn't second guess. You ever been in a car with somebody who was a back seat or a side street seat driver? Just they, they just start pushing the floorboard on the passenger side like they got a brake pedal over there. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I see this car in front of me. You think I'm just going to plow into it? When's the last time I plowed into it? That's, that's her, Rick. Wait, you think I was just to drive us off this bridge? When did I ever drive us off a bridge? Second guesser? Side seat driver? Yeah. Leave that alone. That's not loving somebody. If you're going to let him drive, let him drive. If, if not, catch the bus. Amen. That's the extra offering coming from John the Baptist today. Stop second-guessing people. Well, not really sure if Pastor Scott's the right leader anymore. You know, he's not as young as he used to be, and he's always talking about his back hurting. And, uh, maybe, you know, if I was in charge and the way we did it at our other church, and, well, I've seen it be successful doing it this second-guesser. Second, here's what we believe, just so you know. We believe the Bible, and the Bible says that God is responsible for placing all people in authority in their position of authority. This is what we believe. So uh, why, why was Donald Trump the president for four years? Because God wanted him to. Why was Barack Obama the president for eight years? 
Because God wanted him to. Why is Joe Biden the president right now? Because it doesn't matter if you like these people, if you voted for these people, if you think they should be, the fact that they are, and the Bible says God puts all people in the positions of authority that they have, you need to believe the Bible. And so the reality is, why is Scott Becker the pastor of Abundant Life? Because he won't quit. We tried to run him off, and he ran us off. No, as soon as God doesn't want me to be the pastor, I won't be the pastor. These things are self-evident. And if you're sitting there and you're second-guessing everything, you're not loving right now, here's the reality. We all fail in these areas. I mean, if you're over 16, realize this. God can help you. He's helping me. So it, it bears all things. It believes all things. Listen, what it says in verse 7. Real love hopes all things. I read one commentary. It said this, this hope is revealed through an optimistic expectation. An optimistic expectation. You know, if you love your kid, doesn't matter how whack they are right now, you're still hopeful that they're going to turn it around. Isn't that right? No matter how far they stray, you're still hopeful that, that they're, they're going to turn their life to God. See, that's love. You, you feel that way, not because there's any empirical proof that says your little crazy child is going to kick in and make better choices any day of their life. You just love them. And real love is manifested by hopeful expectation. If, if you love, uh, Deacon West loves the Florida State Seminoles. He just, he believes in his heart that one day they're going to return to the glory of the 90s. When they were the winning this football team, I mean, they were top five football team for like 13 years in a row. Um, they, had a, they had a run, didn't they? Would you, would you like to see another run like that? You want Bobby Bowden to be resurrected from the dead and pushed back up in there and Uncle Bobby just bring the criminals back to prominence. That's love. Boy, I never met fans more in love with their baseball team than Chicago Cubs fans. They forever. They finally won, but they didn't win forever. But every year, they's like, this is our year. Florida Gator. I grew up a Florida Gator fan. You had to. 90 miles away from Ben Hill Griffin Stadium where we're standing. And it's the closest major college to us. And so if you grew up here on the west side of Jacksonville, that was, that was your thing. You were a Gator fan. Uh, and here, here's the most used expression in Gator fan history. Wait until next year. I've heard that every year. My Oh, but wait until next year. We got an incoming. Oh, wait until next year. We've been grooming this quarterback. Well, wait until. Listen, that optimistic expectation is birthed through love. If you really love someone, something, then you believe that it is going to work out. You negative Nancy people in the room, hmm. yeah, I just don't know if I'm ever going to love my husband. Uh, well, then you're not loving biblically. Hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I know I'm supposed to love my kids, but this one over here, <laughs> uh, yeah, ain't, ain't nothing but hardship. That's not loving right. Your brother, your sister, your cousin, well, I'm supposed to love everybody, but you know Cousin, cousin Jack, huh? He ain't never going to get off that liquor. That's not loving. 
Love has to have optimism and expectation. Can you do better in these areas, church? We can. Love endures all things. Mm. It means to hold out against all odds, to continue without yielding. The best example I've ever seen of this in my life are mothers. Mothers. See, because as dads, let me just tell you about a real dad. A real dad would get tired of that kid and boot him out, change the locks, and be through dealing. Isn't that right, Nixon? Be like, hey, I love him as much as you do, but he ain't stealing from me again. I ain't buying another TV. This just ain't going to go down like this. They can't live in my house forever. But the mom, she's like, they're just televisions, dear. And you know, he has a, a dependency issue. And the dad's like, yeah, he's got a dependency issue. The boy's a crackhead. I don't want him in my house, and I'm through dealing with this child. Not mom. Now, some of y'all might be the exception, but most mothers, oh, man, they're going to endure everything. Ba ba baby made bad grades all through school. You still love them. Did, didn't apply for any of the jobs you told them to go apply for so they could help bring in some income. You still love them. Stole everything in your house four times. You still love them. I'm telling you, the love of a mother models this, this characteristic better than anything I've ever seen. Uh, love, real love, holds out against all odds. Other definition, it says, continue without yielding. To keep loving someone without giving up. Well, I got my limits, and I ain't going to be done this way. Uh, here, here's a little tip for every single woman. If you are in that dating world, A, let me tell you, it's a scam. B, if you tell any man, well, you ain't going to do me the way my last man did me, uh, you're probably not getting a second date. That, 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 that just shows that you've shut down in love because real love holds out against all odds. It believes there's still hope. It believes that things can still get better. It believes that whatever they love is Still worth loving. Verse 8 says, love never ends. As far as prophecies, they'll pass away. As far as tongues, they'll cease. As far as knowledge, it shall pass away. Let me jump to the end and we're out of here. Verse 13 says, so now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. God said the greatest of these is love. The reason why people focus more on faith and hope than they do on love is because love is hard work. Love causes us to do things that don't come easy. Nobody likes to turn the other cheek. Nobody likes to go the second mile. Nobody likes to always be dumped on. Nobody always likes to be the tail and not the head. I want you to understand the greatest love story ever is Jesus. And I'll, I'll, I'll let you know if you haven't read the whole story. Jesus showed his love for us by coming to this earth. He left the glory of heaven with his father, the perfect unity he had with his father in heaven. And he came to this earth to be rejected, despised, misunderstood, betrayed, treated poorly by the human beings that he created. He decided that because there has to be a payment made for sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. What did Jesus do on the cross? He died. 
Some have said it this way that he paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. God's word says that God showed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus said, greater love is no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. I want to tell you, when Jesus came to bring us back to God and put us in perfect union with himself, we got the better end of the deal. And if you can ever figure that out, life will be easier for you. If you can ever figure out that he loved you when he didn't have to, if you can ever figure out he's been better to you than you've been to him, if you can ever figure out he loved you when you were unlovable and he still loves you now, the Bible says that 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 type of love will draw you to God. And I want you to know for sure that Jesus took the less so we could have the best. He paid the heavy price for us so that we could have what we do not deserve. You want to see real love, all you have to do is read the Gospels. He kept loving people when they rejected him. He kept loving people that when he knew they weren't going to do better, but he made a choice. See, love isn't about feeling ooey and gooey and special. Love is about making a choice to stay committed and to be loyal to that thing, that person that you've decided to love. So I wonder, on these 16 different characteristics that this chapter reveals to us about what true love is, do you realize, are you willing to admit that there's some areas where you could use God's help to make you more loving? Because Jesus said the greatest thing we can do is to love God and love people. What if you're doing it wrong? You know you want to love God. You want to be who God wants you to be. But what if you're doing it wrong? See, practice doesn't make perfect. That's a lie. If, if you're shooting a basketball wrong, you can practice shooting it wrong all day long. He's not going to make it right. You're just going to get more comfortable doing it wrong. And too many of us have been, become comfortable. Well, that's just how I am. That's just how I was raised. That's just, that's just me being me. Uh, I, I'm, no, we need to do what the Word tells us to do. But you've got to know better to do better. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this chapter, and I want you to begin to look at these 16 things, characteristics of what true love is, because I want you to love yourself like that. I want you to have hopeful optimism for yourself. I want you to never give up on yourself. I want you to truly love yourself even when you do wrong because Jesus said you ought to love others the way you love yourself if you love yourself all whack you can't love others right read what God says about these things take these things to heart go home today tomorrow this week the rest of your life study these 16 characteristics of what God says love is because what God says love is is right well she knows I love her. That doesn't even sound kind. The Bible says love is kind. Well, he tries me one more time. He's going to find out there's an end to my love. That's not love. That's you doing you. I'm going to close with this. And I hope you get it. The world needs to see less of me and more of he. We need to represent less of who we are 
and more of who he is. And when we begin to take on the qualities, the characteristics, the, the lifestyle, the discipline, the, 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 the ways of God, then people are going to notice and they're going to say, wow, you're different. Why? And then you won't have to nag them into salvation. You won't have to Bible beat them into salvation. When they see that there's somebody out there whose life has been improved by Christianity, they're going to want to know, well, how did that work for you? Because they've seen enough fake Christians in their life. They need to do is see some real Christians. And if Jesus said the greatest commandment of everything is love, and we're loving wrong, then, then we're out of gas from the start. So I want you to make a commitment to study this chapter. I want you to make a commitment to let God help you. It, it, at times, we're probably all over 16. None of us do everything right. But the great news is God is not just the God of a second chance. He's the God of another chance. And if you haven't been loving yourself right, study these characteristics. Start loving yourself right. If you haven't been loving God right, Study these characteristics. Love God right. If you haven't been loving people right, study these characteristics and start loving people right. Because as long as you're on this planet, God is not done with you. And God loves you. And here's what I know. He has hopeful expectation over you. He sees value in you. And he loves you. If you're not saved, I want you to accept his love. All you have to do is call on the name of the Lord and God will save you. Just reach out to God and he'll reach out to you. If you are saved, start living it. Figure out how to really love God and love people. Let's do things God's way because man's way never works. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us what real love is. God, I pray that you would help us to love you and love each other the way you've commanded us to. God, I pray that you would let the world know that you are the one true and living God. And besides you, there is no other. We believe in you, and we ask you, God, to help us honor you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.